Hey, Tiger Nation, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. This is Championship Week, um, Conference Championship Week. We're looking forward to the Tigers playing in the ACC Championship game against the University of North Carolina. The Tigers are 12-0 right now for the first time in school history, and UNC athletes are still not going to class. Um, thanks for tuning in this week. Again, like I said, uh, we're, we're taking on the Tar Heels in the ACC Championship game in Charlotte. A lot to be excited about this week. We're really going up against a quality opponent, so I think we're all interested and kind of a little terrified to see how things are going to, to, to pan out here. Um, first, before we get started, um, just a reminder for everybody to visit us on iTunes um, and, and write a review if you have the opportunity. It really helps. It goes a long way to, to getting us out there so other folks can find out about us and, yeah, start listening to the podcast. Um, and then uh, this has been here today. I'm uh, hosting. I'm here with Cody. Cody, where the hell you been? I've been in Greenville, South Carolina, hanging out with a bunch of my Gamecock friends, watching the game as the minority among the group, but at least we won. It's so much better than that five-year streak, so it's good to be back and good to get that win. So going into the game, how confident were they? They weren't confident at all. When it got to 28-25, they started talking a little trash, but they sat quietly in the corner. I mean, there were like seven of them, but they all didn't say a peep. Then all of a sudden, 28-25, and they start talking some trash. Of course they do. Back to their old ways, and then ultimately (laughs) at the end of the game, back to seven chickens in a corner. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God for Deshaun Watson. Well, how were you feeling during that game, though? Because I know for me, like I was surrounded by Clemson fans at the the boardroom, our bar here in uh, North Beach in San Francisco, and it got to a point, I think, about 28-25 in the game where I started having this gut feeling like, oh my gosh, this could really happen, like our biggest fear of South Carolina ending our perfect season. You know, I, I felt like that. Well, let me say, I haven't felt like that all season until that moment. For whatever reason, I, I think it could be the calming effect of Deshaun Watson having him as our quarterback. I, you know, as, as high as the stakes are this whole season, I haven't been nervous. I, I wasn't nervous in, during the Florida State game. wasn't ner- nervous during Louisville, Notre Dame. But the only time I've really been nervous, like this thing, this is going to happen. We're going to lose. Was twenty eight to twenty five. And then, of course, Deshaun Watson steps in, makes that pass to, to Trevion Thompson. I'm like, yep, we're good. Yeah, so maybe not just the calming effects of Deshaun Watson, but also the calming effects of beer. Um, could have a little bit to play into that. <laughs> That's a good point. So, uh, speaking of beer, um, wh- what are you drinking over there tonight? I am drinking uh, from the Marin Brewing Company Three Flowers IPA. It's really good. You're drinking a little bit of it, I see over there. Um, Definitely probably not accessible in the East Coast, but it is an award-winning beer. That's what the label says. Yeah, um, like award-winning wine or award-winning whatever. You can pretty much yeah. slap that on anything, so who knows. Um, we're an award-winning podcast. But, yeah, no, we're not, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that participation trophy we're going to get from our parents well. on Christmas for uh, <laughs> actually doing something outside work. Um uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm drinking a Pliny the Elder. Um, I thought about I've kept trying to like get East Coast beers. I can't find them anymore. I've given up. You know, Wednesday is when my 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 corner store gets Pliny. I haven't had one in a while, so you know what? I went for it um, because honestly, again, and I'll say it again, it's one of the best beers I've ever had. So it gets me thinking. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of beers on the East Coast. We keep talking about that that we don't get out here. Likewise, there's a lot of West Coast beers. 
um, that East Coasters or Midwesterners uh, don't get in their part of the country. It'd be kind of fun, maybe one of the listeners, uh, to set up some type of beer exchange uh, where monthly we like send them our beer of the month from out here that they may not get and get one from them to really you know, start to get a, a feel from other beers across the country. Yeah, kind of like a like a pin pal or like yeah, a beer pal, a beer pal. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like yeah. that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of especially <laughs> the craft beer movement. Uh, you know, and they're going to be sending us all these Hefeweizens and Belgian beers, and we're going to be sending them IPAs. Yeah, exactly. And then, or you know, you have a, a liquor pal in Kentucky, and uh, get some really good <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> to all of our Kentucky listeners, that's yeah, bring us some liquor. Although you know, they're going to get the short end of the stick on that one because the bourbon they they make out here in California is not nearly as good as anything that comes from <laughs> Kentucky. Um, so, but but beer wise, we've got it down pat. Like this is one of the best beer regions in, in the country. Um, so anyways, uh, well, let's get into actually talking some sports today. Um, we're going to look at the college football playoff rankings. Clemson's number one again for the fifth week in a row. Uh, we're going to touch on some recruiting now that we have Cody back here. Um, he's going to give us some updates about some, uh, guys that we're hot on the trail of, um, and some decisions coming up. Uh, and then obviously we'll get into the ACC championship game and start talking about, uh, North Carolina. See how we stack up against them. You know, this is a very interesting matchup uh, that we're going to have. You know, their high-powered offense and a little bit shaky on defense. Sound familiar? Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to that. Um, and then, obvi- and then to, to end it off, other conference championship games around the country. Um, nobody's really talking about those that much. Uh, everybody's talking about how Clemson's probably going to lose in North Carolina, and that's about it. But I think some other interesting things, you know, going on. Um, you know, we talk about how. You know, certain teams may overlook other teams uh, as they look forward to their next game that actually matters. Maybe that's a case where Florida um, knew that beating Florida State really did nothing for them when Alabama, they had all their chips in for that game. So maybe some more interesting takes than you normally hear from the uh, ESPN brass or any of the other uh, media um, and uh, sports media and college football. Uh, so first, I guess let's get into those college football rankings. Uh, the top four have remained unchanged I, uh, from last week. Uh, Clemson number one, Alabama two, Oklahoma three, Iowa four. Then we got Michigan State and Ohio State um, at five and six. Um, kind of interesting to see three big teams, uh, big ten teams in there. I think they've been vastly overrated all year, just judging by their strength of schedule. Um, and to see them kind of piling up waiting to get in, although I can't really argue for many other teams to replace them. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, well, I think for one, just overall, it's a, it's a very clear picture. It's all, it's all shaping up into, you know, knock on wood, a very safe Final Four, and, and it didn't look, didn't look that way. It looked like, and there's still room for, you know, this chaos uh, to, to begin, and hopefully it doesn't start with Clemson, but Big Ten, you know, you're right. They, they maybe they have been a little bit overrated. Ohio State, primarily, with their most of their ranking probably coming from last year's performance and versus think, this year's. I think Ohio State has only beat one ranked team all year or played one ranked team, and that was Michigan, right? This this past week. Well, the Michigan State and they lost it. Oh, that's true. Okay, so they beat one ranked team all year. And well, for one, they they looked really good against Michigan, and I still would say that you know if they got into the Final Four, I would not want to play them. But but how good is Michigan? I think their their defense is good. Jim Harbaugh, I mean, he's, but, but, he's a good coach. But who have they beaten all year? They beat yeah. Northwestern, and that's the only uh, – and BYU. So they've beaten a couple 
at that point, top 25 teams. Well, I don't know. I'd, I'd still a little bit argue against them. I don't have a chance to look down Iowa's schedule, but they haven't beaten anyone either. But well, that, That's a good point. Uh, Iowa's in there, I think, by default being undefeated. You can't really argue, argue against them for that because we're going to argue for Clemson being number one because we're undefeated, even though we've had some close uh, games against some inferior opponents recently. So I, I buy into that. Yeah, I'm okay. I, I like I like that Iowa, Michigan State. I, I think it's fair. I think the winner will get to go to the final final four. And I love that, by the way. I love that kind of de facto quarterfinal that gets built in with the conference championship. I think that's something to think about moving forward, where the conference championships maybe do serve um, as the way of getting to the playoffs. Maybe as we possibly start expanding into eight teams, if that in fact does happen in, in the future. But I kind of like how this sets up. Yeah, well, I, I initially wanted the eight team. I'm I'm not such a big proponent of it at this point. I, I like I think I like four teams, um, and I, they're trying to move. They they want to stay away from the every conference championship or champion would make it, and I could see why. And they want to protect you know their Notre Dame's of the world, but I this been a it's been a good year so far in terms of it, it being fair. I think Clemson can you know they got to win this game. It's the only chance of making it. Their number one ranking, though, they, they haven't earned it. They have not looked like the best team in the country. And the playoff committee is, I think they've more or less publicly said that they don't look like the best team in the country, but they've earned that number one ranking. But I guess who else has? I mean, if this was Alabama going undefeated and barely beating teams, nobody would give them flack for that, obviously. Now, granted, Alabama has a pedigree and a recent history of being an elite football team and winning national championships. So SEC homerism aside, I think you do give them a pass for that just because they, they've proven it before. Uh, whereas if it was Florida or something like that, who um, you know was undefeated but had close games, and they were just propping them up because they were SEC. Well, what has Florida done lately? They've done stuff, you know, in the two thousands, early two thousands under Spurrier, but not a lot since then. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I understand the flack given Clemson uh, having these close wins, but at the same time, who else has done anything to deserve being number one at this point besides besides Clemson? I mean, it's the body of work versus the eye test because I'll say Oklahoma and Alabama, I think, look a little bit better um, on the for the eye test right now. Their, their margin of victory is higher. They, I, I wouldn't, I'm not really, you know, happy about playing either one of those two. But uh, you know, we did beat Oklahoma, blew them out in the bowl game last year. It's yeah, a lot exactly. of the same players. I, I will say, I, I mentioned, I always think Stanford is every year they're overrated. They still, they're like the number one team, and with two losses, and they're they're saying if we lose to North Carolina, they would get in over North Carolina, a one-loss team. Granted, a, a poor schedule. We'll get into that later. But that, again, Stanford has this. I don't know. They, they are every year in my eyes overrated. Yeah. It's it's a conundrum for sure. I understand North Carolina's argument of why they should get in there if they beat uh, if they beat us. But at the same time, look at their schedule. A loss to a really bad South Carolina team, albeit we just barely beat a really bad South Carolina team. Um, but then two FCS opponents, and I mean their toughest test really all year has been. Pitt, who are they even ranked right now? I mean, they're not a great team. So it, it's hard to say. I, I can't make a strong argument for Alabama getting in there. It's hard for me to make a strong argument if, say... Uh, Ali said Alabama. Did you mean Stanford? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so uh, so it, it's it's hard for me to make a strong argument for anybody outside of, you know, if... if I'm not even say if Clemson loses. I'm tired of that argument. That's all, <laughs> that's all we're hearing right now about the rankings. Um, uh, but say... Two teams, Alabama loses somehow to Florida, um, and Iowa loses uh, to Michigan State. You bump Michigan State in there. I, I don't think you can have Ohio State as that four teams. Somebody else has to surpass them. 
I, I think I think they would love to have that brand name of Ohio State in the championship. But that would mean Stanford winning the Pac-12. Uh, and they would leapfrog Ohio State as a two-loss. But can you leave Stanford out and put Ohio State in when Ohio State didn't even play in their conference championship game? If they're not the best team in their conference, they're not the best team in the country. I mean, that's I mean, I, I agree, but I think you, you have to – they're not putting all the weight on the conference champion, and they're saying – they're saying that this one-loss team and their record and their body of work is better than the two-loss team that is a, a champion in a over another overrated league. I think the Pac-12. Yeah, I don't, I don't top know. to bottom a good league, but yeah, I, it, it, it's a little it, bit overrated. It, it's hard for me to accept the fact that that Ohio State could get in there, um, having not even been in their conference uh, championship. I mean, this isn't basketball where you lose your conference championship and it's held against you in the NCAA tournament. Um, so, I don't know. One of the last things I'll, I'll touch on here is, again, getting back to this thing. It, it seems like the only way that turmoil or chaos can be caused in the college football playoff rankings is if Clemson loses to North Carolina. That's apparently the only way anybody can jump anybody or anything can go wrong. Um, I, I thought it was great. So, Jeff Long, again, uh, from the, the chairman of the college football playoff committee, um, he came out and explained again that um, – <laughs> That they were very close to, to putting Alabama ahead of Clemson. In fact, they had to have a number of revotes. <laughs> they wanted Clemson to be out of there so bad that they kept voting over and over again until he got out of there. Apparently, it didn't work. But check out this quote from Jeff Long. Well, we had additional pieces to the resume. We saw a Clemson team struggle against the South Carolina team, that same South Carolina team that beat North Carolina at the beginning of the year. Okay. Uh, Clemson struggled with a 37 to 32 win there. That team is a three and nine team. And then we saw Alabama play an Auburn team in a rivalry game and win that game. Um, okay, we'll replace Clemson with South Carolina. Uh, so those are two more pieces to those resumes that allowed us to look deeper into that number one and number two rankings. So I, it's, what is he trying to say there? Well, he's that that that, they're, that Alabama's win in a rivalry game. You didn't even mention them playing them close. Yeah, that was a close game. It was very close. And Auburn, a lot more talented than U.S. than South Carolina. I'll, I'll say that. But still, they, they played them very close. It was not. It was not a blowout. The score was a little bit a wider of a margin than really the game was played. Well, at the end of the day, uh, we're still the number one team in the country, and um, you know I'll look to things like them trying to hold the South Carolina game against us, and I'll point out that those. You know, we didn't lose or come close to losing because of uh, lack of talent or lack of skill. Uh, it was correctable mistakes, uh, namely turnovers. And that's really all it was because if we didn't have those turnovers early on in the game, we would have run away with this by halftime. And we would have gotten our uh, answer to the question why the chicken crossed the road. And so all those game costs and get out of, out of Williams, Bryson, out of Columbia before the third quarter starts. You're still throwing jabs. Uh, why not? <laughs> um, so. Again, end of the day, we're number one. That's all that matters. We have to be the best team in the country to, to win the national championship, and that's going to play out uh, this weekend, and if we get into the playoffs, the two games after that. So let's switch it over here real quick before we get into uh, talking about this ACC championship game in North Carolina, and let's talk some football recruiting. We haven't touched base on this in a while. Things kind of died down during the season, but a lot of exciting things kind of going on. And you have to think with the success Clemson's having that it's only going to improve our chances for a lot of the guys we're going after. We're not ranked incredibly high right now as far as team rankings go, but I think we have a lot of guys left on the table. 
several th- five-star guys um, that are undecided that, you know, this run that we're making right now could really turn some heads. Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest impact that our on-the-field success is, is going to be it's going to be felt in 2017. 2016, it's a small class. It, it always was going to be. So, and most of our commitments are already on the board. We're just relying on a few left, a couple of oversign uh, possibilities there for some higher profile guys. But we've had a, we've had some guys transfer and, and, and drop off. We're talking about like Zach Brooks um, leaving early and, and possibly Travis Blinks too. So that opens up some scholarships for next year, right? Yeah. Well, they they've already accounted for those. So we're we're almost we're pretty much at our limit, and we're still. I mean, you'll probably take into account there'll be some transfers, but. You know, we do a good job of we don't run people off. Dabo's never done that. A lot of SEC teams do that. So we can't we can't really, you know, we can have some oversign guys, but ultimately we, we don't like to factor in that, you know, certain a certain player will leave uh, via transfer or get kicked off the team. So, um, but to hit on those guys, well, we got a commitment from a, a th- high three-star offensive lineman, Tremaine Ingram, a Georgia product, um, a, a terrific uh, terrific commitment right here. I mean, just this late in the game where it's really hard to find these offensive linemen to get a three-star offensive lineman and, and really getting like a high three-star offensive lineman is like securing a high four-star wide receiver. It's that big. There's uh, this this class in particular has been really uh, really uh, low on uh, in terms of supply on offensive linemen. So getting this commitment is huge. Um, that leaves us with one other guy that we're left to, you know kind of in the fold, and that's John Simpson. I really want him. He's he's maybe one maybe aside from Feaster maybe the best player in South Carolina huge offensive uh, tackle prospect maybe offensive guard but playing the tackle position right now uh, that can make you know we had, had so many misses from three star four star guys in the off season up until this point and this could really turn that whole class around having you know Ankrum combined with Pollard uh, Reeves and, and hopefully John Simpson that really uh, puts a, a nice follow up to our uh, our offensive line class from last. Uh, last class and we know i mean we've been really good at getting guys in the skill position getting recruits and on and uh, you know on defense and uh and a quarterback uh but in the trenches you know you're really starting to see clemson win games that way you know not only do we have the skill guys we're winning the games in the trenches so i think it's huge seeing the recruiting class we had come in last year on the offensive line and the possibilities going forward i mean if you can add one or two quality pieces to the to the puzzle every every year um, that's you're really starting to see our recruiting um, just become elite in, in that aspect. We're not just getting the fast skill guys that only took us so far before. We're becoming very well rounded, um, you know, as a whole and from all the position groups. Well, we're already experiencing the the benefits of having talented linemen. And I think uh, more so on looking at like Tyron Crowder and Mitch Hyatt. Uh, Crowder giving us a run game, opening up holes that we haven't had before. Mitch Hyatt giving us a consistent left tackle. We've had you know Brandon Thompson, uh, Brandon Thomas, in, in battle, but this guy could be one of the best tackles we've ever had. Talking about Mitch Hyatt, combine that with more talented guys coming in next year, and you, I can't expect these guys to be like hitting the two deep from day one. That doesn't happen. Happen. Not everyone's going to be a Mitch Hyatt, but guys that for 2017, 2018, and beyond, it, it gives us a very bright future. Um, beyond him, they're going on to another five-star guy, defensive tackle out of North Carolina, Dexter Lawrence. He is number three on Rivals' board, number three in the whole class. Just a, a beast, a war daddy of a, of a player who put him alongside Christian Wilkins, and he—I mean—that is just a, a team that can shut down a run game just by themselves. 
So he he is between you know kind of getting down to his last days. His um, expected to commit on December the fourteenth. Looking at NC State, a few other suitors, maybe North Carolina. He visited Ohio State. Um, but it looks like it's going to come down between NC State and Clemson. Normally, that stacks up in our favor. For whatever reason, this guy is kind of a homebody. Uh, just does, didn't want to leave. Didn't want to leave home. But w- the kind of all uh, indications are things are looking really good with Dexter Lawrence. Ohio State viewed Clemson as the biggest threat to land Lawrence, and NC State also views Clemson as the biggest threat. So it's looking good. Um, again, you put him with Christian Wilkins, just unbelievable. Um, and and take, take it into account, Carlos Watkins, obviously reader, will be gone. Watkins may be leaving early to the NFL. We, this is a guy we actually need more than you think. So I, I think this is where the atmosphere and the environment that, that Clemson uh, provides and the, the family atmosphere that Dabo promotes really comes into play here in drawing these kids and getting them to, to go away from home. Because, listen, you can't fault a kid from wanting to stay home, no matter how good he is, that he's not going to an elite program. I mean, you know, some people are just that way. They have strong family connections. They don't want to be too far from them. We saw that with C.J. Spiller, where he almost decided to leave and go back you know, closer to family, maybe. Um, but it's just the atmosphere that Clemson has. We're a small-town college environment. Um, I think that really gives us a leg up. And, and combine that uh, with the the uh, the culture that Dabo has established here, and that even started way back with Tommy Bowden, um, I, I think it's a huge advantage, and that helps us get these kids. Yeah, you give them, you make them feel like it's a home away from home, and I think that's what Dexter Lawrence has experienced. Not to mention, you're like, hey, you can legitimately come in in 2016 and play for a national championship. Like, we will be in that in the fold. You can potentially hit the two deep, maybe even be a starter. Uh, look at Christian Wilkins. Like, look at this guy. That's who you're going to be playing alongside. Um, it's a, comp- a lot of compelling reasons to come to Clemson, but um, yeah, don't rule out NC State. Uh, last guy I'll mention is uh, Torin Dorn. Uh, he is a legacy from North Carolina. His dad played uh, played DB for North Carolina back in the day. He's he's now supposed to announce on Friday, and that's looking very positive for Clemson as well. He's a high three star safety, probably most likely our only defensive back take uh, in this in this class. But uh, that's another guy. He he had no intention of coming to Clemson originally. Uh, on on the field success, some, he um, kind of he's he's looking at other schools. Uh, it's looking it's looking good. So we talked about this in the um, in the South Carolina review, uh, talking about our linebackers and the current state of our linebackers in the program. And uh, I was talking about Trey Lamar coming in next year and wondering if he can actually make a big impact stepping foot on campus. What about Rashawn Smith? Do we have a chance with him right now? How how are we looking there? Because this is a five star guy who could really come in and make a difference. I never I never like your odds whenever someone decommits. I don't care what the case. He said when he left, I'm still 99% committed to Clemson. He also he also told all the recruits that you know from that same class that he's coming to Clemson. I, I don't like your odds when you decommit. So but, it's similar to like a Kim Dichie situation. Yeah, and I don't know why. You know, uh, he had some good reasons for for decommitting. It's actually looking. It's more leaning towards Clemson than anyone else. Uh, we could really use him, and we could we can definitely offer early playing time to him. That's always a good and for a five star guy. That's always a good reason. But um, I, I still LSU is a big factor. Uh, Probably, I don't think Maryland as much, but they're a factor. Maybe Florida. So LSU with uh, their kind of shaky coaching situation with Les Miles. Um, and then you look at Clemson with you got a, a linebacker, a former linebacker as your defense coordinator. And you could possibly coming in uh, definitely look too deep. If not, could he come in starting on a team that possibly is coming off a national championship or, or a playoff run and is looking very good next year for being able to continue that same success? To me, that's that's very attractive 
if I'm a, a five-star kid coming in, right? I mean, we're, we're a legitimate program, and we have great coaches. For us, it's not even a thing of what we can sell him. We, we need this guy. If he's not a starter, he's, he's on the two deep, and he's getting reps. And same for Trey Lamar, our other uh, high four-star linebacker, who I think he looks great on film, exactly what we need as a replacement to B.J. Goodson. But we did see from Stefan Anthony, from Tony Stewart, five-star linebackers. It's a tough position. It's, it's, a, it's a learning curve plan on, uh, on, in Division One. So you're a lot more coverage, a lot more to know. So you you definitely could see a learning curve there, but I I would expect those guys to compete for playing time from the get. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope we can uh, land Rashawn Smith and then uh, Trey Lamar turns out to be be able to pick things up right away because, again, that linebacker position, especially with Goodson leaving and the way we're looking this year, like it's something that could be a little thin if we don't see some major development from, you know, guys like Kendall Joseph and uh, Dorian O'Daniel, um, what happened to Chad Smith? Jalen Williams, yeah, and then Chad Smith, and then Bullware obviously needs to improve. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the weak position we're looking at uh, filling in for next year. Okay, so that about wraps up everything uh, we got right now for recruiting. Obviously, we're going to be looking forward to uh, the Torn Dorn on Friday night and then uh, Dexter Lawrence's decision on December 14th. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's great. As soon as the season officially ends, we're right into recruiting and National Signing Day. Um, in uh, in February, so you know the the, the train keeps rolling, and and, and, and you'll hear a lot of positive news, by the way, in the in the 2017 class because we we're making some headway there. I, I'm not digging too deep into it right now, but I think some things will really shape up after that national signing day. I think the moral of the story is is that this season is just the beginning of it. I I think this is going to be a very very great run for Clemson football. So don't get too discouraged if it doesn't work out like right now. We hope it does this year. There's a lot of great things in the future. That's what the Oklahoma City Thunder once said too. So, well, I'm rooting for this year. Anyway, so well, the first hurdle uh, to making this year that year that we all hope for is uh, University of North Carolina Tar Heels coming up, playing them in the ACC championship game. They're 11 and one on the season, eight and zero undefeated in the ACC. Um, they obviously they lost that inexplicable had that inexplicable loss to South Carolina to start the season but since then they've rattled off 11 straight wins um and very similar to Clemson this is the most wins they've had in a season and the longest win streak that they've had in school history um their first time in the ACC championship game though so I think this will start to come into play Clemson is battle tested granted we haven't been uh nobody on this roster really some guys who redshirted were uh part of the 2011 ACC championship team uh, but other than that, uh, no championship games to speak of, but some really high-profile bowl games and some really big wins for Clemson, which North Carolina really doesn't have. Uh, so unlike Clemson, they've never really been here before. So really looking forward to see how that plays into this game, considering even this year and our recent history, we've been in a lot more high-profile games than North Carolina has been. Yeah, we have. I mean, there's something to be said for that. Um, I think the bowl games uh, go a long way, uh, you know, just determining whether you're not whether you're, whether or not you're battle tested. But I think if, I think more than anything, our coaches do a great job of getting our guys up for the games, keeping them focused. So I'm not worried about that. I think we have one of the again the calming presence of Deshaun Watson, a lot of poise there, great leadership. I'm not worried about the big stage. 
maybe North Carolina can be. I, I'm not sure. What I am a little interested. Uh, Dabo is selling. He he keeps selling the underdog story to uh, to the team that a lot of the national media, like you said, are writing us off, saying this is the upset that's going to happen. He's selling that back to the team, which I think is is giving him a lot of ammo. Whereas you know Larry Fedora is probably saying the exact same thing to his guys. So it's, it's kind of interesting. So I think you're going to get two guy two teams coming in with a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, well, I can see from Larry Fedora that he's probably firing them up by saying nobody is giving you a shot to uh, to to make the college football playoff, even if you beat Clemson. So all the more incentive to go out there and beat them really bad, right? So uh, some interesting storylines for sure going into this game, and, and really these are all you know a p- part of this is is kind of a, uh, derived from the kind of uh, you know the teams themselves and what they have gone through this year and where they are actually at, but then also the national media and and where they're trying to find a storyline of how to make some type of controversy in this college football playoff. Um, but regarding North Carolina themselves, um, you know, again, they started off the season with that loss to South Carolina. What's different about this UNC team now than when they lost that game? I, I think their offenses gelled. They, they run the hurry up, no huddle. We'll talk about that. Similar to, similar to Clemson, I think it takes a lot. We've seen it this year with Deshaun Watson. It takes a lot of chemistry between the receivers. I think their offense is it's now a fine old machine, and I don't think it was as old, old up um, at the beginning of the season. Uh, plus, South Carolina was playing with a little bit more edge back then. They've fallen off. Different, different, different opponent back then, but, but also the defense. Gene Chizik, well, he's, he's a heck of a coach, maybe not a great head coach, even though he's got a ring, but he, he's definitely put these guys, he's put them into like Brent Venable's form. It, it looks like that kind of a, uh, of transformation throughout the course of the year. Yeah, Cam Newton's got a ring. Um, yeah, he does. <laughs> Auburn per- paid good money for that ring. So, <laughs> um, Well, let's talk about game planning uh, because generally teams, you know, as soon as the season's over and then recruiting's over, they actually get into game planning in the spring and, and summer for teams on their upcoming schedule, you know, once the schedule comes out, obviously you know who your uh, division opponents are and your common ACC opponent and your rival, obviously, in South Carolina. But you start game planning for those uh, t- games in the spring and the summer. Um, you tend to focus on your better opponents. That's why, you know, rivalry games are generally so close because we know each other so well. That's uh, part of the reason why the South Carolina probably lost to the Citadel because they were just so focused on beating Clemson that, you know, they didn't even pay attention to the Citadel. Um, North Carolina wasn't on our schedule, though. And, you know, you can try to predict who's going to win the Coastal Division. Uh, Everybody, a lot of people thought Georgia Tech was going to be really good this year. Uh, Obviously, North Carolina was going to be a threat. uh, Brad Kai at Miami. You know, so there were several different possibilities. Um, So I, I wonder... Would we have game planned in the spring and summer for this team? Or is this something that as the season goes along that things start to play out and we're just now getting on top of? Not at all. They they did not this they were, I think, preseason number five in the coastal. And rightfully so. Their their defense was a laughing stock the last couple of seasons. They've they look their offense is far exceeded expectations. So is their defense under Gene Chizik. I think no, they didn't they didn't prepare during the spring during the off season. But they would be the fools if they didn't have a lot of guys watching a lot of tape at least starting three to four weeks ago. But how's that game planning change as the as the season goes along and teams evolve and improve? And in this case, especially with North Carolina, the offense coming together and their defense getting better. Well, I think they have some good film. Uh, they saw a lot of points being scored by NC State. They saw Virginia Tech being pretty effective, at least uh, stopping their passing game, maybe not necessarily their running game, but uh, it's, it's evolved. They're definitely going to a more run-centric uh, offense, which which I think we can handle that, but um, 
But if nothing else, like again, if they weren't looking at North Carolina film for at least three to four weeks now, then they're not as good of a coaching staff as we thought. Well, let's start kind of breaking uh, that down in the different aspects of the game. And let's first start talking about the UNC defense and what they bring to the table concerning that was their weak spot early on in the season. Um, they've been kind of vulnerable against the run, um, especially at the beginning of the season. It's gotten a little bit better as things have gone along. The, the D-line has gotten healthier um, and has progressed a little bit. But when teams are able to run the ball against their defense, um, that's really when they're the weakest uh, and they have the biggest possibility of, of you putting up points and, and beating them in that aspect of the game. Um, do you really see us re- us relying on that running game, um, especially if we find success early on? Because I do. You mean you think we'll find success in the running game? I think do we rely on it once we if we start finding success early? Do we rely on that like we've seen recently, um, even in the game against South Carolina? We we kept running the ball even though we had all the turnovers. Well, part of that is Wayne Gallman is is not. He looks like last year's Wayne Gallman. He's a step slower. He's hesitant, and that's because of that ankle. So he had I, almost a hundred yards against South Carolina, or he had over a hundred yards. He, he should have had a healthy Wayne Gallman might have went for two hundred yards against South Carolina, or at least you know, they were trying to stop the run. But anyway. He's he's a little bit injured. We're relying on the zone read. We're relying on Deshaun Watson to give us that extra 50, 75 yards of, of running. Um, I, I think we definitely go to the run. We try to establish it early just for the sake of balance, and then we kill him with the air attack if we if if we can. But yeah, we're we're going to need to establish some sort of run game. Absolutely. Well, we've seen Elliott and Scott. They, they've shown all year that they've been committed to the run a lot more than Chad Morse has, and it's really paid paid its dues. Um, yeah, yeah, Gallman's been injured, but he, again, he still put over 100 yards against South Carolina. Um, I really see us, if the run game sticks early on, that we continue uh, to pound the ball, if not for anything um, or anything other than, than putting together long drives to keep our defense off the field. I think that's a big component. We don't need to be this score-quick offense, especially when our defense has been tired um, and hasn't looked great the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna. I think you're. I think you're exactly right because we saw it. Uh, we saw it when we had the hurry up. No, with Chad Morris, defense can get really tired when there's a lot of three and outs. And our offense didn't have a lot back in the day, but whenever they did, that was when the game would get out of hand. That's when Florida State blew us out. That's when West Virginia blew us out. And I think you're exactly right. It needs to. We need to have a very healthy game plan going in, mixed with a lot of running. Hopefully, running on first down, some creative packages with Deshaun Watson and some zone reads, giving him a few options. And maybe even if Ray Ray McLeod, I'd love to see that guy back. Uh, he might be hurt, but I'd like to see him a little bit. Well, even Dabo in the backfield. actually, Dabo said that that he was available last week and he will be available. He'll be ready to play this week, so I think yeah. he's definitely back in this game. We, we could use him, Artavis Scott, but yeah, I definitely want to see us establish the run. That's something they've done fairly well against. It's something they've. Uh, I think they put an extra guy in the box. It, it, to protect against it, maybe they will. Maybe they won't do that against Clemson, knowing Deshaun Watson's ability to pass. Well, and but, I, I think that's one thing that's really going to open up the run game is North Carolina has had the tendency um, to committing extra players to the run by leaving their cornerbacks on an island. I think in this game, they're not going to be able to do that against us. Our wide receivers are way too talented. Deshaun Watson's way too talented of a, of a passing quarterback. And they're going to have to possibly bring in a third corner to limit that passing game. And I really think that starts to open up the running game. I, no, I, I think I think you're right, and a big part of their offense too is kind of a, or I'm sorry, their defense is a bend don't break, protecting against the big play. I really think that Chiswick's going to try to limit that, leaving a lot of the open the open parts of the field, middle of the field open for uh, guys like Jordan Leggett. So the, again, 
let's let's throw the kitchen sink at them whatever expose the playbook but don't leave anything uh in your back pocket in this game no i don't think so either because this isn't a game where we have another one right after that or anything like that like for all intents and purposes this is your season right here you need to put everything you have and pull out every play in the playbook to win this game because then if you win you have three weeks to figure everything else out and get ready for a college football playoff game. So, yeah, I, I think absolutely you open up the playbook all the way. You do everything you can to score as many points to win this game because at the end of the day, I mean, I know it's a cliche, you just got to score more points than the other team, but this is going to be a shootout. Like, these are two high-scoring offenses, and I, I think uh, on the offensive side of the board, uh, ball that we definitely have the ability to outscore them. Yeah, it's going to come down to Deshaun Watson a little bit. He, he definitely will just through the USC game. I think it, it's going to rely on him putting up a Heisman-level performance. And who knows, maybe he, he goes off and has that performance and Florida shuts down Derrick Henry, and we might have a Heisman winner on our hands. But well, let's he's going to need that. to have that. He's going to need to have that kind of performance, yeah. I, I believe. Yeah, I think he needs to be flawless, not just for us to win this game, but also for, that, for the Heisman. Um, but Florida is a very good possibility. They have a good defense. They could shut down Henry, especially if they're keying in on him, because really when you're playing Alabama, you only have to stop the run. If you watch that Auburn game, they gave it to Derrick Henry and said, try to stop me, and, and they couldn't. They couldn't he it. would fall yeah. forward for five and six yards every time. I was really impressed, and he's a different kind of runner than Dalvin Cook. I still think Dalvin Cook is probably the best running back in college football right now, but Derrick Henry really impressed me. We'll say there's some good ones of Fournette, Cook, Nick Chubb, Hurt, but yeah. But no, I, I think Auburn, they, they couldn't stop him. But Florida's got a great defense, and they'll, they'll game plan for him. I, it, yeah, and that's a whole other side story. But yeah, I mean, we, I expect Deshaun Watson to have a good game. You never know. He, he's right there, I think, on Henry's hills for that Heisman, and uh, this could put it over the top. So I think the things he's going to have to avoid this game, uh, he has a tendency to miss some easy throws, especially when pressured. We've seen him overthrow some, some short out routes and then underthrow some balls. Um, and he's had some issues with interceptions on the year. We mentioned this before. This could be one of the reasons why he doesn't win the Heisman. Um, and so the Heisman aside, we need to be more worried about winning this game. So I really think limiting turnovers as a whole on offense, I'm not so much worried about the fumbles that we saw in the South Carolina game because overall as a team, we haven't fumbled much all year. Uh, I just think Sean needs to be smart and careful with the ball, make good decisions. Um, and make good throws like he did in the South Carolina game because I don't think North Carolina's defense, their secondary has been solid, but it's been against uh, less talented wideouts. So with our wide receivers, they're going to get open. They're going to be able to beat people deep. I mean, you saw Deion Kane. He just effortlessly in that South Carolina game just kind of ran his route to the ball and moved that defender out of the way. You throw him in with Sharon Peake, who's been great all year, Jermont Hopper, who's really come on, and then the bevy of talent that we have at that position. You know, you combine that with a strong running game, that, that is the key to, to winning the game, really, I think. Yeah, like you said, controlling the clock, uh, keeping the ball, the, the possession uh, total, uh, or the time of possession to be higher than theirs, that's a big part of it. And you're right, limiting those mistakes. I want to see Sharon Peak be his most aggressive Sharon Peak self, uh, going for high pointing balls, going for it. Uh, and obviously, the co- again, the play calling. You know, give give uh, Deshaun Watson a chance to to utilize everything and and, and be the, the great player that he is. Give him some chance to run. He's gonna have to. We're gonna have to beat them with Deshaun running the ball. So it may sound like we think that we can just uh, beat North Carolina uh, with a perfect, uh, flawless offensive performance. 
But I think the defense is also really going to need to make a, a decent impact in this game because the last thing we really want to get into is a, a shootout where it's in the 50s. Um, uh, I can't remember how much North Carolina put up last year on us, but it was it was a decent amount. It's about I think it was fifty to thirty five last year. Okay, so I mean that you know they put up a decent score. Um, you know, I honestly think in, in this game that if we're able to hold them under thirty points, that we win hands down, no problem. We start creeping up above that, um, it does become a little bit more tense situation. Um, you know, maybe even thirty five and below. I think we're good, but you know the defense kind of looks tired at this point in the season. And do we, do we see that being an issue in this game? I mean, North Carolina's got a high-octane offense. I absolutely seem to be an issue. And uh, Jerron Curse, I love that guy. I hate reading player interviews because it's a lot of coach speak, player speak, a bunch of things that they, they've been coached to say. Jerron Curse will, will speak the truth. And he said they are tired. They, they are, they're, they're physically drained playing this, this uh, long of a, a stretch without getting a rest is really taking a toll. And I felt like this the whole, like, in my mind, I'm like, hey, they're football players, they're intense, they got a great coach getting them, you know, uh, energized. But fact of the matter is, they are. They're tired, they're a bit wounded, Ben Bulware, Shaq Lawson. They were tired in the Louisville and Notre Dame games by the end of the game. You've got, we talked about them not having depth all year long. We thought of that more of as a, an issue from an injury standpoint, but it's, it's come to, Rears ugly, ugly head from a, just a, a stamina standpoint. They're tired. And you can say all you want about college players, you know, being, being up to play for the game. When you're tired, you're tired. Anybody that's ever played sports, you don't always have that adrenaline. And I am worried. I, I think, I think North Carolina is going to score a lot of points. I think Venables needs to be a little bit conservative with some of the blitz. I think he needs to try to play it safe, let our cornerbacks do what they do. And, and that's, you know, man coverage. Uh, and, and obviously stop the run been kind of going to like a bend don't break uh, type scenario so i think what it comes down to when we have a tired but talented team it really comes down to game planning and uh, so i really see in this game that, that we first and foremost we focus on shutting down their run uh especially with elijah hood and, and really put it on marquise williams to, to try to beat us through the air because i'm not so sure he can do that um as much as they can start gashing us in a running game i mean part of this thing maybe the secondary uh, especially curse and tj green are a little bit winded at this point in the season because our linebackers aren't doing I mean BJ Goodson's having a good year Bullwear's been out of position a lot and we've seen the safeties have to chase a lot of people down I mean they've been doing a lot of running and, and chasing people down from behind um, so I think stopping the run and then also they're going to pick on our linebackers in, in various aspects of the game whether it's the zone read um, between Hood and Williams but then also short passes stuff over the middle Absolutely, they they they've have a lot of film to watch to see where our weaknesses are. So they're they're going to be throwing a lot at us. And Hood gives them a, a really a legitimate running presence. He's he's almost like Todd Gurley at the at the line of scrimmage in that he can he'll break through arm tackles. You got to wrap up this guy. Good news is he doesn't have top end speed, so we can chase him down. But he's going to be having ten yard pickups all day long if if we don't if we don't get him at the line of scrimmage and, and stop him right there. And yeah, you're right, Marquise Williams not a great passer. He's not he's no Deshaun Watson, but we've had trouble all year with kind of an option zone read type attack. We did great against Georgia Tech, but everyone else is really giving us trouble, including quarterbacks, Brissett, including uh, Syracuse's quarterback who's a walk on. Yeah, and then. Um, yeah, Nunez uh, for South Carolina. Yeah, a guy, um, a guy made of glass was just running it down our throats. Yeah, so, yeah, obviously that's an issue. So I, I see Marquise Williams uh, being a huge um, concern in this game and his running ability, but that's where I think the game planning comes into play, and we really focus on – we talk about North Carolina 
uh, and, and leaving their cornerbacks out on Ireland, uh, an island to really sell and stop the run game. I think that's what we need to do. But we have the cornerbacks and the secondary that we can trust uh, between Mac and Tankersley. Um, you know, Mac obviously. I mean, nobody's done anything against him all year. Um, but yeah, it really comes back down to the defensive line. And is this a game where we see we've seen Dorian O'Daniel uh, play well the last two years against Georgia Tech in that option offense? Is this a game and with the type of zone read that North Carolina runs where Dorian O'Daniel, his uh, talents and skills actually play favorably into him getting some you know time on the field? I, I like Dorian O'Daniel. I, I think I would like to see him more. I wish I would have seen him try, you know, kind of giving Bulware a rest. I wish I'd seen him an outside linebacker because he gets an element of speed there and he, and he can uh, play guys in coverage. But I think you're going to see more of like a dime package with six cornerbacks. I think they're going to throw in Mac into that nickel Sam spot, add in like Adrian Baker, or maybe even put in Jadar Johnson at safety, throw Mac uh, or uh, and, and put in Curse at the Sam position. Baker's played pretty well lately. He has. He's not. He's no. He's no Mac. He's no. Not even a Tankersley in terms yeah. of his coverage ability. But he. He's solid. He's and he's gotten better. And he. One weakness. He needs to be more physical. But he. He has gotten better. Looks like he's playing with a little bit more confidence. I think you're going to see those type of packages, uh, and they're going to protect against the pass game. Well, I'll feel a lot better if we have to rely on our secondary to to win the game on defense than I than I have if we're struggling to stop the run game or rely on our linebackers. Um, yeah, I, I say we sell out to stop the run. and We get guys played discipline. We did it well against Georgia Tech and their, their option offense. Of course, in that offense, you know they're not going to throw the ball. I mean, it's a very you know, limited possibility of that happening. But I trust Mac, obviously, but Tankersley out you know, on man coverage. Um, and then TJ Green and J. Ron Curse over the top. So if we can just get some help to bring up and, and stop the run, I don't think North Carolina can beat us if, if they're limited to just throwing the ball. I agree. I think what we need to really push is uh, let four guys get a pass rush, uh, and 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 be okay with that. Let everybody else hang back. And I agree. I, I let the let the cornerbacks be on an island. Don't limit a little bit of the safeties and, and the stunts that you're throwing at them. You saw that what happened with with Mac going. Uh, they did like a, a switch in the middle of the play, and uh, Mac uh, went to for the QB. Um, and then all of a sudden, there's Farrah Cooper over the middle, wide open to the end zone. You can't have that against North Carolina. You, you know, you make them earn it. And I think the one one positive for us is our defensive line. They they saw Virginia Tech. They have a good defensive line, but I think we're a little bit stronger there. Something they haven't really experienced all year is is guys on that interior that can really just eat up those those running lanes. And then of course Shaq Lawson on the outside. So speaking of those guys, um, you know, after Reader came back and rejoined the team in the middle of the season, we've seen him a lot more than we have Scott Pagano. And Scott Pagano was really blowing up plays earlier in the year. We haven't seen that a lot lately. Um, should we see a return of him to get more playing time than Reader? I, I think the thing that we miss from Pagano, uh, we see him getting that penetration, but we don't see his lack of a speed. He's really one-dimensional in that way. He doesn't have that lateral quickness. Um, whereas Reader might not be able to get the guy, push him as far off the line of scrimmage. He does have uh, the ability to make some plays uh, with his legs. And I think because of that, we're seeing Christian Wilkins emerge as probably our best defensive tackle this year. And he's just a true freshman. So uh, maybe not Scott Pagano, but I want to see Christian Wilkins get, a lot, get in a lot more playing time. Well, I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to us uh, beating them on first down. Um, you know, if if we can if we can limit uh, big plays on first down and really put them in second and third and long situations, 
that really you know bodes well in our favor. Uh, we've seen that. We've been a great third down defense all year. That's because most teams have had third and long. So uh, I, I think the, the way to achieve that is if we hold them to less than four yards of carry, we're going to be in very good shape in this game. It's going to be tough, to be honest, with, with their, like, their zone read and Elijah Hood um, and even their backup running back. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name, TJ. Is it TJ someone? Yeah, we'll, we'll look so that up. Why? He's more, yeah, you, you look that up. Uh, anyway, but he's more of like the burner. He, and I'm, I'm actually a little bit more worried about him than I am Hood, but they have a good, very dynamic running attack. And I, I totally agree. If we could stop Logan? TJ Logan. Okay. Thank you, Internet. Thank you, Internet. If we could stop them on first down, I totally agree. That puts us in a, in a position to be successful. Well, and I think even more so than just the running game on first down for them, I look for them to, to really uh, utilize some short throws on the early downs to, to make their downs more manageable. And that's where picking on our linebackers and coverage really comes into play. That's one of their greatest strengths. They have a really good uh, one that rivals, if not better than Clemson's wide, uh, wide receiver core. They have an army of, of just tall 6'3", 6'4", guys one of which, Quinshaw Davis uh, from Gaffney, we recruited him, but didn't give him, a, give him an offer. He was a three-star. You know, we, we had our pick of the litter back then. Didn't take him. He went to North Carolina. He's doing big things there. But, um, but anyway, big, big guys. Matt Collins is another one. Uh, Bug Williams, I believe, is, is their other one. He's like their fourth guy. And then, of course, their slot guy, Ryan Switzer, who was one of the best special teams players in the nation just a couple years ago. A white guy that has more <laughs> agility and lateral quickness than just about anyone among white guys. Even McCaffrey at Stanford. Uh, yeah, even more than him. He's a pretty quick dude. I saw him play in, in live the uh, this past weekend. I was actually pretty impressed. Um, well, I think what this all comes down to is we have two offenses that can really move the ball. So obviously you have more of an advantage if you give them a longer field to have to do that. I think this really comes uh, uh, down to now that winning the field position battle through good special teams play is going to go a long way to determining who wins this game. Absolutely. I, this is maybe not the best team Clemson's played all year. It's not the com- most complete team. That'd probably be Notre Dame. Uh, probably not the most talented team. That'd probably be Florida State. But it might be, it might be overall the best team. I, I, it's, it's tough to say. And at, at this time of the year, it's scary. It, I, I definitely could see this game coming down to special teams. Yeah, so, I mean, the, whatever we're doing kicking off, I don't know how Lakeup can, like, boot one halfway deep in the end zone for the opening kick of the game. Then after that, they're like squib kicks, they're kicks to the 10. Um, Who knows what's going on there? I don't know why we can't find any consistency um, there, but it really does start there, you know, because you have a team starting on the 20 or the 25, wherever we start these days with uh, the new rules in place on the kickoffs. Um, We haven't, we've been pretty good at limiting kick returns. uh, punting has still not been great, uh, but we have been flipping the field a little bit better in the last few games. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the story of the game. I, we won't even get into to missed extra points because I don't think it's going to come down to one point in this game, but obviously that has to improve. But, yeah, I really think it's the field position battle. Um, again, and, and this applies to to every other aspect of the team, whether it be linebackers on defense, the defense being tired, um, and then development kind of along, uh, you know, further development and depth along the offensive line on offense um, is just get through this game. And then we have time off to correct a lot of mistakes, get, get rested, get healthy to make a big run. Because, listen, this is a very talented team. This is a very capable team, and there's not really another elite team in the country that is head and shoulders above everybody else. So, 
yeah, we, we have our struggles, and this game is going to be close, more than likely. Um, and we haven't looked great in a lot of recent games, but whatever. We're undefeated. We're the number one team in the country. And, you know, you win by, by playing the game on the field. It, it doesn't – all that matters is that final score. It doesn't matter how you got there. So, you know, I'm, I'm still really positive about where we're going. I, I see a lot of our mistakes as being correctable, um, and that leaves me really positive about the outcome of the game this weekend. You're exactly right. We just got to get past this one. We'll have a chance to get you know get our guys that are banged up, get them get them back to health, and really just give some guys a few days to rest. But this is every game from this point out is a championship game. It's like the it's March Madness. It's it's one and one and done. You're you lose, you're out. So this could be the. I mean, you really think about it. This could be the toughest game we might play all year, just because for one, North Carolina is every bit of that number 10 team you know they're they're probably a top five team right now so here's what i can compare this to and i think what it comes down to are we more physical than unc i think you started to see the the state of clemson football turn uh when we went in and beat lsu um in that peach bowl game yeah and we really arrived and it showed that we could be physical and we beat teams like Auburn and Georgia and showed that we could stand up against the SEC and not be just this flashy offense, but be a really physical team and beat teams in the trenches. Um, and I think that's probably where North Carolina finds themselves right now is they're still that flashy team, but can they beat us in the trenches? I don't think so. I think our talent is too good. I think we're more physical than they are. We have to go in and be that dominant team and just beat them up. We have the talent, but we need to be physical. We need to go in there and show them who's boss and set a precedent and be like, listen, you know, we know you're on the rise, but we are there. Absolutely. And it, it, you'd be crazy not to see those parallels between, you know, a 2011 2012 Clemson team with this high power dynamic offense, dual threat quarterback, all these playmakers on the field, but haven't really been tested in the trenches. And when we got tested in the trenches, it, a lot of times it didn't turn out so hot. Well, at least, you know, we look back to like an Alabama game from 08, but it, Florida State got us too in 2013. You went, you went up front, and yeah, we can definitely make life hard. Uh, it can throw everything off if we can, our defensive line can get pressure. So I really think it's, it's, it's that and the turnovers besides the game. Uh, North Carolina struggled with some turnovers. I think they've had six in the last few games. Um, so on our side of the ball, listen, Deshaun, you know, smart throws, uh, you know, no picks, and hold on to the ball. We're running it. And, you know, I think those things combined, we're more talented, we're more physical. So if we eliminate the, the mistakes that come with turnovers, we're, we're not a heavily penalized team, so I'm not worried about that. And I, I think that's the key to victory. Um, so with that, let's kind of get into the predictions and where we think this game is going to go. I think it's a close game, personally. I, I, I think it's high scoring. I've got us at 41-34. That's a, that's a touchdown win. I, I just, you know, I'm kind of like Lee Corso. Um, usually whatever I predict, the opposite happens. Um, so I've been calling a lot of blowouts this year, and they've been close. So I'm, I'm hoping for this one I'm calling it close, and it ends up being a blowout for Clemson. Yeah, I got. I'm, I'm with you in terms of high scoring. I go a little bit higher, 45-38 Clemson. I think you're going to see greatness from Deshaun Watson, and then I think you're going to see our defense give up some chunk plays. Um, I hope to see a few turnovers, and that could be what, like you said, from their end or our end, that could be what changes the whole com- uh, complexion of the game. Um, and then Tully, our normal host, he chimed in. He's got us 30-28 uh, to 28 Clemson. So just by doing the math there, I'm guessing uh, North Carolina scores four touchdowns. 
uh, to get that 28 points. And then we must score four touchdowns, a field goal, but miss one of the extra points to get 30, which that makes sense to me. And 30 is greater than 28, so I'll take it. <laughs> and given how our predictions have gone all year long, this game will probably end up 9-6. to six. Um <laughs> All right, so that, there's where we stand on the, the ACC championship game. We're really looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting atmosphere in Charlotte. Expect to see a lot of orange there. We've been there before. Um, so I think that really puts us over the edge. Let's, let's, let's look for a Clemson victory. Um, so three other big games in college football this weekend. We've got three other championship games. The SEC championship game, we've got Alabama versus Florida. The Big Ten championship game, Iowa versus Michigan State. And the Pac-12 championship game, Stanford versus UNC. Cody, do you see any upsets here? If you consider that Big Ten game a possible upset, then uh, yeah, I could see Michigan State beating Iowa. Uh, Florida's offense is abysmal. They will not, uh, they will not beat Alabama. Um, even if their defense can somewhat stop Derrick Henry. And then Stanford should beat USC, um, the you know mighty Cardinals from the West Coast. Um, so I, I think you'll probably see chalk, maybe Michigan State beating Iowa, which really wouldn't even be an upset. Yeah, I really don't give Florida a chance. Uh, Alabama's uh, offense is not as good as Florida State. And Florida does have a good defense, so you know I got this one. Maybe Florida gets two safeties, 20 to 4. I don't know. Um, They're going to need a lot of safeties, we'll say that. Maybe you know, a pick six Alabama here and there. Doesn't have a great offense. All they have is Henry. So, um, yeah, I, I think Michigan State beats Iowa. I think Iowa really hasn't been tested all year, and it comes down to this. And Michigan State ends up winning. Uh, they've kind of been there before. They're used to being a successful football team. Iowa's not. Um, so I give Michigan State that game. Sanford versus USC. I don't know. I could see USC winning this game. I really don't put a lot of stock in what the Pac-12 is. Stanford has up and down games throughout their recent successful history. They have head scratchers, and they beat really good teams. So we'll see what happens. I honestly think that one probably has the least effect on how things play off in the final uh, college football rankings. I hope so. Um, okay, Clemson basketball. We'll end on that tonight. Um, Clemson is now 5-2 five on five and two on the season. Uh, we won tonight uh, against USC Upstate, coming off a loss on the road to uh, Minnesota two nights ago. Uh, won this one by 20 points. Uh, put score up into the 70s again. Hey, look, this is becoming a trend. Clemson's actually scoring. Jay Ingles said this might be Brownell's best offensive you know, club that he's had up at this point. However, probably one of the worst defensive clubs too. So, Well, I think part of that has to do with uh, you know, how valuable Rod Hall was on uh, defense. But what we've traded that for in Avery Holmes, he started off the season slow. Man, has he been on fire lately. 20 points tonight, 3 of 4 from 3, no turnovers, 6 assists. This kid is going to be special. Um, I'm really excited to see him start to come on. It's good to see a guy that can shoot. And that, again, that opens a lot of things up, driving lanes. It opens up um, opens up a lo- you know, lot for him as well. But, yeah, it, it changes the whole dynamic of the game whenever you get guys that can stretch the defense. Especially if we can rely on them because we're seeing Dante Grantham. We really thought he was going to be our number two scorer this year. He hasn't had a, uh, a good couple last games. He was only 1 of 10 tonight. Still a sophomore, a lot of growing to do. So if we can have a guy like Holmes come in and, and be consistent. Uh, Jordan Roper, he was 50% from three tonight, but I still don't think we expect him to be too consistent at this point, given what we've seen out of him. He's doing well as a senior. I'll give him some credit. He's, he's scoring some. Well, he was 3 of 20 coming into the game uh, against Minnesota in his two games prior to that. So he has stepped up lately. Um, uh, Ty Hudson. Uh, he got 11 points tonight. He's, I think he could really start to get more playing time, uh, maybe overtake Gabe DeVoe. Uh, this is a freshman. He was a four-star uh, coming in by some recruiting services. So 
you know, I hope this is a case where he just doesn't get a lot of playing time early in non-conference play and kind of, you know, that fades away during the ACC conference uh, play. Um, but I, I think if we can get him on the floor kind of like Grantham, uh, Brad Brunell really kept him in there throughout his freshman struggles all year last year. You get Ty Hudson in there and get him some experience. It's only going to be, you know, lead to positive things. Yeah, well, Gabe DeVoe, it's kind of surprising. Usually you make your, your greatest leap from freshman to sophomore. It's kind of disappointing between him and Grantham, who I still expect a, more progression from Grantham, but I'd like to see Gabe DeVoe step up and give him another guy that can shoot from the outside. Um, and then Legend Roberton finally made his uh, first appearance as a seven-foot uh, center uh, transfer. He made his first appearance tonight against USC Upstate. I... Got to see very little of this game, but for what I did see was most of the time he was in, unfortunately, and of course, he went down with a knee injury. Hopefully, it's just like hyperextended or something like that, and he'll be able to come back pretty quickly, but I really liked what I saw out of him. Uh, granted, we were playing USC Upstate, not great um, opponents, but he looked uh, dominant with uh, one with a big dunk and then another close-range uh uh, shot. So, you know, I think if he, I think we know what we're going to get at him on defense, but if he can be any um, asset on offense, that's going to be huge. Well, we need a low pros presence, and, you know, Noko may or may not cut it, but either way, you need at least to have two guys down low, and I mean, just to compete. So it's good to see a guy step up. Yeah, I don't th- I think Noko's hit a ceiling. I don't, I'm not sure that he's going to get it done. We saw him take a big step, I think, between his uh, freshman and sophomore years, fell off last year, and um, you know, really hasn't done much this year. Still having a little bit of foul trouble. He only scored four points tonight. Um, I think he's going to be a matchup guy. Certain nights he'll excel, certain nights he won't. Um, City Jute, I think his ceiling is only so high. Roberton, let, let's see what happens. He's got three years of eligibility. Hopefully he comes back from this knee thing, um, and he's able to make a big impact this year. Uh, even if he does come back, I hope he doesn't miss too much time because I think it's valuable experience not in non-conference play, to get him in there, to get ready for that, that ACC play. Um, so one other thing regarding basketball, got a big commit this week from a four-star shooting guard, A.J. Oliver, uh, right out of Clemson's own backyard in central South Carolina. Um, again, I'll emphasize shooting guard. This kid can shoot. Um, he's uh, 36% from behind the arc this year, uh, or last year, sorry, 85% from free throw. And, again, that's things Clemson needs. It's not just defense. And, again, uh, college basketball is trying to increase the scoring. So you need to follow suit. You can't just be the lockdown defensive team uh, and think you're going to be able to be hugely successful. We need guys who can score. So I think this is a great addition uh, by Brad Brownell uh, to this team. Again, another four-star guy. I know four-star doesn't mean the same thing in basketball as it does in football, but it's better than three and it's better than two. He can shoot. That's huge. Again, it spaces the floor. You got guys like Marquise Reed. You have Ty Hudson coming into the fold. And you'll next year, you'll also have um, Shelton Mitchell, guys that are slashers that will be driving to the basket. You can't just have a bunch of guys that can slash the basket. You got to have someone that can compliment them, space the floor, and shoot the three. Yeah, I know everybody's been frustrated with Brad Brownell up until this point, especially in recent years. But I think we've got to give him a chance because he's finally getting offensive talent in here. And there's a lot of guys we're excited about. We've seen what Blossom game has turned into. He's got another year uh, next year. Maybe. No, I, I think he does. I don't think he goes. He's not a – learn from KJ McDaniels. Um, stick around. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're 5-2 and two at this point in the season. Let's see how we finish the non-conference play and see what we if we can, you know, even finishing 500 in ACC play this year I think is um, 
yeah, I think it's a success. Well, you've seen around the league, the ACC doesn't look like uh, the typical ACC, top-heavy as as usual, but uh, not a very good ACC from top to bottom. So Clemson can definitely, it's definitely a possibility they could finish I, 500 or right there at it. I think if we can be more consistent from three and uh, improve our defense and to get a little bit better post-play, that's where Roberton comes in, I think we have a chance to actually make a run. Um, well, we'll wrap it up there. You know, that does it for basketball and obviously for football. Uh, one last mention, I guess, if you're around the Clemson area, go out and support the Clemson Tigers at Riggs Field tomorrow night as they take on Maryland in the Elite Eight game uh, in soccer. Really pulling for those guys. And otherwise, yeah, really looking forward to the ACC championship game this weekend. This is obviously the biggest game of the year, and if we win, you will see Clemson in their first ever college football playoff, and you will definitely see us as number one for the sixth week in a row. Um, Thanks for tuning in. We'll be obviously back for a review of that game. Again, if you have an iPhone, you can subscribe to us with the podcast app. Search uh, for podcasts or Clemson on that. Android, you can find us in any number of apps, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, etc. And as always, ClemsonPodcast.com or search for Clemson Podcast on SoundCloud. Again, guys, thanks for tuning in. If you're going to the game in Charlotte this weekend, have a great time, and we will be back with you after that. Go Tigers.